0: Konnichiwa! Nihon Cricket Pod do yokoso! Welcome to the Japan Cricket Podcast. Season 1 is definitely behind us, but Season 2 is not quite here yet, so you can think of this as a bonus episode. If listening to me can never really be considered a bonus. Before the episode itself, I have a few things to fill my loyal listeners in on. Firstly, thanks to all those who completed the feedback form. It is still live and in the show notes for anyone else who wants to put some thoughts into it. I am looking to build a lot of the suggestions into season two, although they won't all be seen right away as I have been busy recording interviews over the winter, which will bear a distinct resemblance to the format of the season one chats, but with different guests who are all equally wonderful. On that note, at this stage, I'm planning on posting episodes every two weeks rather than every week. So folks will just have to be a little more patient, but I am sure it'll be worth the wait. I'm also planning to include a bit more info on Japan cricket this year. Most likely in the form of a quick roundup of domestic results, highlighting some individual performances that are noteworthy, and keeping you all in the loop of any news from around the Japan cricket scene, be that events, tournaments, squad announcements, or generally other stuff that's exciting to hear about. So I hope you're all looking forward to that. Additionally, I have had a few people ask about how to get involved with Japan cricket. Well, the easiest way is to join a club. There are plenty of them, and you can find them listed under the Play Cricket. Find a local club tab on the JCA website, cricket.or.jp. Clubs are always after players, administrators, or just fans to join their community. From a JCA perspective, we are always looking for good umpires, scorers, and this year we'll even be after some commentators, ideally ones who can speak English and Japanese, but we'll take what we can get. If you'd like more information, then you can email the JCA on info at Or you can drop me a message via the Instagram page of the Japan Cricket Podcast, and I'll try and point you in the right direction. Okay, that's most of the admin out of the way, and on to this episode. Almost. Over the course of the winter, I have been approached by a couple of different folks who were keen to learn more about Japan cricket. One of those was a very nice chap called Sam Gilbert, an Australian former karate champion who now runs Club 360, the sports and fitness centers in Tokyo, who invited me on his podcast, Tokyo Living, which I very much enjoyed. So if after you finish listening to this, you want another serving of me, then head over there for a listen. The link is in the show notes. And if you're based in Japan, then you should subscribe while you're there. As there's plenty of good stuff about good health and lifestyle choices for those living in Tokyo and elsewhere in the country. The other folks who reached out were Siddharth and Nikhil. Two cricket fans who were based in Delhi and Melbourne respectively and run their YouTube channel, Cricket Spectacle. They were also keen to learn more about Japan cricket. So I brushed my hair, trimmed my beard, and made a rare appearance in front of the YouTube cameras. There wasn't too much crossover between the two shows, Uh, there may be a few bits and pieces, but I think they are both worth listening to. And if you enjoy what you hear on this episode and are curious about some of the other guests that have appeared on Cricket Spectacle, once again, be sure to visit their channel and subscribe. The link is where? In the show notes. Okay, that's it. No more procrastinating. Time to get on with the show. Hello ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Boys and girls, good morning,
1: good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to yet another special episode of Cricket Spectacle. I'm Siddharth Gulati and I'm joined by Nikhil Deshpande. Today's episode will be no different from what we have tried to do from the last 11 months or so. Staying relevant is key as that makes our content better. So let's get started. Uh, Please welcome our esteemed guest, uh, guest, Mr. Alan Kerr. Head of Cricket Operations at Japan Cricket Association. So uh, he has experience in sports and project management at uh, grassroots level in Japan, and he has also worked as a sports journalist. Uh, Alan, it's good to have you on the show.
0: Thanks, Siddharth. Yeah, it's good to be here and uh, thanks, Nikhil. It's uh, always a pleasure to talk cricket and particularly Japan cricket is a subject close to my heart. So hopefully we can tell you guys all about the, the game over here and how it's developing.
1: Yeah, I think that will be nice. So, Nikhil, I request you to, you know, please start with your questions and then I'll go up to you. Yeah, sure.
2: So, Alan, um, the first thing, we usually ask all our guests, the first thing is is how did you uh, get into cricket and especially Cricket Japan for uh, you and how that whole story started. Like, what was your uh,
0: journey like? Yeah, it's probably a bit unusual, mine. Um, I mean, I've been a cricket fan all my life, as, as you'd expect but I, um, after university, I went traveling. I I went to the rugby world cup in Australia. Uh, that was 2003. So as an England fan, it was great. I got to see them win the rugby world cup. That was brilliant. Um, and then after that, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my career. I was 22, 23 years old. and And I kind of decided I wanted to work in either sport or travel. Um, and being a, a 22, 23-year-old non-sporty guy, it was kind of difficult to break into playing any kind of sport professionally. So sports administration at that point, uh, I didn't really know how to get into it. So I, I went the other way, and I, I worked in the travel industry. I um, worked for a company called Flight Centre, which you'll probably know, kill in, in Melbourne. Yeah. uh they're an Australian company. And I worked there on and off for, I don't know, uh, seven or eight years. Um, I took a break in 2007 and went to the caribbean for the cricket world cup so i was kind of planning my life around sporting events um and uh you know the 2007 world cup in the caribbean was brilliant and a really good time out there um and then after that i got involved with a project organizing a cricket match up on mount everest so that was that's yeah that took place in 2009 okay um and it's called it was called the everest test uh we raised money for a few charities, uh, the Lord's Taverners, uh the Himalayan Um Rescue Association. Um yeah, we 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 took a, a whole load of guys up to the original Everest Base Camp. Um there's a brilliant book called Cricket on Everest written by uh me, which you can read. <laughs> um, That's a good flex of anyone not watching it. Cheeky plug. Read it? yep. It's uh yeah, so that was that was 2009 and I mean, that was, it was brilliant. And I fell in love with yeah. Nepal while I was there. And uh, off the back of that trip, I came back to England and I I wanted to change the kind of work I was doing. I wanted to move more into adventure travel. Um, and that's where I kind of started uh, working in more project management side of things. Um, the Everest test was a huge project. My role in that was kind of as expedition secretary. So really a lot of logistics and the non glamorous side of things. and uh, and I umpired the game itself and it was uh, it was a world record at the time for the highest ever game of cricket um so we got into the Guinness Book of Records and yeah that was all all really great fun and like I said off the back of that I then ended up working in an adventure travel company and that's when I did some of my more uh interesting travel I went to Afghanistan Pakistan I went to India a couple of times I uh, went to Iraqi Kurdistan um and I did that for around three years um And I got to the age of about 32, I think I was. And I decided that I'd done 10 years in travel. It had been great, but that my other passion was sport. It was still an itch I wanted to scratch. And so I actually, at the time, I'd organized to go on a big walk. I walked the length of the river Thames in seven days, uh, which works out at a marathon every day for seven days. Um, And I did that all all sort of on my own support. And whilst over those seven days i kind of spent that time thinking about really what i was going to do next and off the back of that i um quit my job um well actually the very first job i came on on the monday morning i was back at at my desk and i was like oh i don't want to be here anymore and the very first job i saw was on the icc website cricket in japan um a a project manager for for a program so the deadline for applications was actually the day before um so i I fired off a quick email to, to the name that was there and said, look, I've seen that the deadline was yesterday. If I get my CV in, will you, will you still look at it? And I got the replies so and get it in today and we'll have a look at it. Yeah. And so in between times, I, I'd actually spent a little bit of time living in Kathmandu in Nepal. Um, after I got back from the Everest test, um, I decided that I wanted to try living overseas. And I went back to the company that helped us organize that and give something back to them. And I worked with them for three or four months. but. Uh, ultimately, I couldn't get a visa to stay longer, so I'd kind of felt that that mission had, had failed. Really, I hadn't done what I wanted to do, and I still wanted to live overseas. So when the opportunity came up to work in cricket in Japan, um, it, it it really appealed. I'd been over here on holiday in 2012. I had a good friend here from university, and um, I knew a bit about Japan. I, I didn't know much about the cricket scene here, but didn't take long to to do a bit of research and get up to speed on that. and yeah, within three months I was living in Japan and life changed quite dramatically.
2: And that's quite a quite an interesting story though, because when you started with England winning the rugby league, it, what, by the way, was that the one where oh, Wilkinson was a part of the team? Oh, okay,
0: yeah. Correct, yeah. The yeah. drop goal.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a probably, yeah. Maybe for as an English fan, winning it in Australia would have been like... Mm, as bad as okay. it gets. Uh, yeah, and you can you bet on that, right? It's like probably for India winning a World Cup in Pakistan or but yeah, yeah, that yeah, that kind of thing <laughs> so it can't get, can get better than that but uh, like you said the whole your journey in, in particular your personal journey has been like it's so varied and it's so unique compared to what oh, I have never heard anything like that first of all I didn't know there was a match at Everest I didn't know you could slay anything near Mount
0: Everest well we, we took a pitch up there and we took a flex pitch up there oh, okay. out and, and we had to move all the boulders and everything so the pitch didn't exist until we got there.
2: Yeah. So yeah. So to get that information itself, I think I already am like this. This episode is already worth it. But uh, <laughs> moving towards the uh, cricket in Japan part of it, Alan, like how did that develop from like say, when you moved there as well? I'm pretty sure that it wasn't like uh, it. You don't associate you associate cricket and Japan that like vividly, right? It's, it's, it's like it's completely non-associated probably like soccer would be one of those things like martial arts like there's so many other sports like badminton maybe and there's so many other sports which you will relate to Japan before you would relate cricket right so what were the what was your experience when you moved there and how did you tackle the initial hurdles and what were they uh, how did you
0: face that experience so when I first got here my my job specifically for my first two years was to to build and roll out a a junior cricket product for under 12s Um, so i was my my job title was slightly different to what it is now it was project manager junior participation was was my job title and it was a it was a project that was funded by the icc at the time they had put out to tender to all the associates to um apply for extra funding to have a targeted participation program um and japan pick that up and the USA and Canada were also accepted on the same program. And they all rolled out slightly different times. Um, cause I had to work a notice period that it took me a while to get over here and everything. So I was, I was behind those other two. Um, so the early, <laughs> the very first obstacle I actually encountered was the big three takeover at the ICC, <laughs> uh, which you may remember in, yeah. I'm going to say yeah, yeah, yeah. January, February, 2014, Absolutely. I don't even I'd only been in the job like a month and, um, been in the country like a month, then having packed my bags and moved all the way across the world to then find out that the ICC were completely overhauling their governance and the chance that my project would be discontinued after a year was a a bit of a shock. I was only on, I was on a one year contract, but had been told that it was the goal. The idea was for it to be four years. So that was a, a bit of a knock, uh, very early on, but I mean, It it, it turned out slightly differently that the funding was extended for a second year. Um, But then, you know, the the cultural differences, and like you say, the sporting um, landscape here, that's quite unique challenges I think that Japan has in that Japan is a country where the school system tends to specialize in sport from an early age. So when you finish elementary school at the age of 12 and you move into junior high school, they have what's called the Bukatsu system. And in that system, you, you pick your club, and then that might be a sport club. It might be an academic club. Um, but that's what you do in your um, extracurricular activity time. Mm. You do one thing and you do it all year round. And pick it
2: after class 12, it's
0: a and Yeah, 12. and sometimes before class, and you'll do it six days a week, sometimes okay. seven days okay. a week, depending on how serious you are. And you do it all year round. So the, the big sport here is actually baseball. Um, yeah. yeah. So when it comes to sort of uh, bat and ball sports, yeah, um, really. baseball, is huge. I mean, football, soccer is, is massive as well. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, those are the big ones. And, and for us, cricket's not on the menu. So, you, you know, there's there's very few places. There are a, a one or two uh, cricket Bukatus, Um But, you know, when you think about it, actually, it would be quite a good way for cricket to establish itself because, you know, mm. the more time you put in. To, yeah. to practice, the more you're likely to get out of it. But it's an odd system, and you know the prog- the program I was um, working on, as I said, was that under twelve age group. We were trying to get cricket into them, in the hope that when they did move into uh, the high schools, that they would have that deep rooted love of the game, that they would continue playing. They'd find a way to keep playing, yeah. and catering to that age group was was always going to be a challenge and it's something that we've been working on over the eight years that I've been here. Um, the other, the other slightly random challenge that I encountered was all the schools and the systems that they work within, they have this teacher rotation system, so the teachers aren't employed by the school. They're all employed by the local government. And so at the end of, or at the beginning of every academic year, the teachers can get moved to a different school with barely a week's notice. Um, just somewhere within the city. So, and the way you find out is you open the newspaper on a certain day. And it tells, so they also it, learn about it in the newspaper or? Yeah. Okay. Well, can add, so, that's really interesting. Sorry. It's bonkers, isn't it? So, then you, you might end up working at one school for 10 years or you could work at 10 different schools over 10 years. Yeah. So, when you're going to the teachers and the school with an idea to try something new, a lot of the time people don't want to roll out anything new because they might not be here the following year to continue it. So, so that was a challenge as well but i mean at the same time the elementary schools were were always quite open to trying something new and where we were particularly we're out in the countryside we're about um 80 kilometers north of tokyo so um there's not that many native english speakers or or, english is still something that people want to get their kids to learn so we're using english as a way to get the sport played and, and building English terms into all of our classes and, and, you know, the, the elementary schools are generally quite welcoming to, to have sport come in. But a lot of the time it yes. was, you could come in for one or two have a go sessions, but that doesn't really, you're unlikely to fall in love with the sport off one go, Pleasure. you know, we yeah. need, we were trying very hard to get four to six, um, yeah. visits to the same kids. And we set up our own programs, the cricket blast program was our under 12 program, which is still, it's still running now. Um, and I'm sure we'll probably talk a bit more about that later on, but th- those programs have helped filter kids into our systems and we've tr- worked really hard to try and retain those kids. So yeah, look, it's, it's had its challenges, but the kids that are really passionate and do love the game, they do, they do find a way to stay involved, even when they go on to the high school. Um, but yeah, you, you have these drop offs in participation that you have to try and really focus on and, and try and keep kids. At that time, because once they stay in, they're likely to improve quite significantly in that period.
2: Yeah, I think, yep. by, with like you said, like with repetition as well. the more you play a okay, game, the more you fall in love with it as well. And I think uh, a part of it probably was responsible, is kind of responsible, is in terms of the telecast of cricket as well on TV and stuff. The exposure to that the sport, right? How is that in Japan? Compared, I mean, it obviously not compared to like soccer and stuff. Baseball will be higher as well. But do kids uh, get to watch cricket, like if they want to, because let's say they play a sport today and they go home and watch how the professional players are playing, that kind of does have an impact on the retention as well, right?
0: Yeah, there's a number of really huge obstacles to that. Um, I mean, the advent of the internet has been fantastic. You know, a lot of people will just go watch cricket on YouTube, but they won't necessarily watch a full game. Right. certainly not going to watch a five-day test but even a three-hour uh t20 game that is, is quite a big ask um so people are watching clips and, and that's helpful but it doesn't give the full picture as any cricket fan knows you've really got to see you've got to see the ball before a wicket was taken to really understand why yeah. it was it's taken, right? yeah. um and so people get an idea and we've got we've got some pretty good players who've taught themselves how to play off watching you know shane warn bowl on youtube but yeah the ch- challenge is there's nothing on TV. Um, and all the YouTube stuff is still in English. Obviously there's nothing in Japanese. Yeah. So kids who, who don't speak any English then that's, it's difficult for them. Uh, one of the real challenges and one of the real sources of frustration for us is there's a lot of people at the ICC who are working quite hard and well meaning to try and get cricket on TV for us to watch. And you guys are probably aware there's ICC dot TV nowadays, yeah. which does show some yeah. stuff, yeah. Except they also show stuff that's behind the paywall and we can't yeah. access it. And sure, there, there are a lot of cricket fans living in Japan. The cricket community here is is developing and, and growing quite quite nicely. But, um, you know, that's that's people like myself and, and other people from overseas who love cricket and want to watch it. Yeah. People here who are a developing audience, they're not necessarily going to go and pay to watch the Ashes or to watch a World Cup. And so that stuff needs to be accessible for free in emerging markets otherwise people aren't going to see it and what we then love to do is to have you know maybe a and i have had these conversations uh so there is a a desire to do it but to have some kind of highlights package slim down to 30 minutes 45 minutes which with japanese explaining what's happened in the game um and, and and you know a little bit of punditry um and talking about why this Thing was good and this thing's bad, you know, and really kind of helping people to understand and engage in the sport because ultimately you can't be what you can't see. So for us, um, for cricket to be more visible is going to be important. And look, live streaming helps, and we live stream some of our own stuff, but it needs to be a quality production because in Japan, particularly, things need to look good. Yeah. Um, and cricket is fantastic at looking good at the top end, but as soon as you drop down below the international levels or below the big domestic leagues um the quality of production drops away pretty spectacularly and some of the stuff on ICC TV with with the greatest respect to them we couldn't show that to people because people would be like this sport looks like a joke
2: yeah I mean I get the get what you're saying because like in cricket in like like many other sports the ball actually moves so quickly as well because it's like we can bowl and if I hit the ball on the offside and let's say it, I took a, it takes an edge and actually goes to third man instead of, mm. uh,
0: the, go, the camera's going this like, way, well, yeah, exactly. oh.
2: the ball's there and then it just looks funny because yeah, it is, it is what it is, right? Like you don't have multiple cameras at when venue, then it will look uh-huh. pretty funny and that kind of, yeah, it definitely ties into the problem of the selling part of it because like I, I can I totally relate to what you're saying in terms of like from a marketing perspective because as someone from social media, that is probably my biggest pet peeve to post something of low quality video. Yes. Because it just is such a repulsive thing in today's time because, and especially for you, maybe because you are trying to sell it to kids who probably are the toughest market to capture it right? because adults would understand. Like a 20-year-old kid wouldn't go, why is this in uh, only 720 pixels? <laughs> that, a 12 year old kid he's gonna be like why isn't this it like hd4 4000 4, whatever pixel and blah blah but uh in coming back to the uh people who are playing the game though alan do you see uh natives from uh japan are like a dominant section of the market or is it like mostly related to expats because uh, the countries which we have spoken to earlier, like Scotland, Germany, uh, even we spoke to I- I- Iceland as well recently, majority of their playing population is uh, like expats and the uh, second generation expats as well. So oh, how what's the uh, split like? Like not exactly, but would you reckon how would how yeah, that
0: look? I'd generally? say, um, I mean, look, women's game is 100% Japanese. Um Pretty, pretty much maybe 99.5. Um, but, um, the men's game, when I arrived, we, we would say it was probably around 50, 50, maybe, maybe slightly in favor of, of the expats. Since then, um, the community has grown a lot. Uh, Japan has had an interesting shift in immigration policy over the last kind of 10 to 15 years, where we're getting a lot less migrants from China and Korea as relations. there have become a bit tense and we're getting a lot more from cricket playing nations, India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, uh, Bangladesh and Nepal, particularly have all seen their, um, populations in Japan rise a lot. Um, and, and that's great for us. And we've put quite a lot of effort in to engage those communities. Um, a lot of those guys were, were playing their own sort of tennis ball, table ball competitions r- around in various places of the country where there aren't cricket grounds, they find the field somewhere and play. And we've worked quite hard to engage those. So the, the percentage you know, the community has grown. So the percentage of expats has probably gone up, but I still feel that the number of Japanese players has increased despite the percentage, perhaps dropping more to 60, 40 now uh, against, but you know, we're, we're talking about, oh God, as of, um, I should really know this as of, um, pre pandemic, we we were up at around, uh, just short of 5,000 registered players. Um, and I'd say that, you know, um, yeah, you'd be somewhere to more than a third of those were were native Japanese players and that we've also our Japan national team for the last, uh, I'm going to say six years, maybe seven years had been a hundred percent Japanese nationals. Uh, we had very strict eligibility criteria, more so. And the ICC, we wanted to make sure that the people who were playing for Japan were um, role models and and could be, you know, easily identifiable with society. Um, We have got, um, we have changed that in the last couple of years. Um, Not that we haven't, our men's team haven't played a tournament since 2018. So it's kind of international cricket at our level is rare. Um, So, you know, for us. Obviously, our goal is to develop a Japanese cricket playing audience and fan base.
1: Yeah, that's nice. So, Nikhil, I'll take over from now or from you now. So, uh, uh, Alan, I have a question. That uh, uh, what's the current landscape of uh, franchisee based cricket in Japan?
0: Franchisee based, yeah. Um, well, look, oh, oh, there's no franchises.
2: <laughs>
0: um, but there's no clubs. There's no, you know, full-time professional cricketers really. Uh, we did just announce, we had the first player um, gain a professional contract. We actually announced that on Wednesday. Um, one of our women's players, Shizuku Miyagi, has been signed up for the Fair Break Invitational Tournament, which is taking place in Dubai in May. Um, so that's the first time a Japanese player has signed a, a professional contract to play in a competition overseas. Um, but in terms of clubs, uh, I guess we've got, I'll I bring the structures that might make it a bit more easier to understand. We have a 40 over league and a T20 competition. Um, so the T20 competition is based around our regions. So we have seven active regions. There's, there's nine in total, but seven who hold their own T20 domestic league. Uh, those will vary from having three or four teams to 10, 12, the biggest one's got 14 teams in it. Those teams play throughout the season and they qualify for Japan cup finals, which takes place in October every year. Um, within that we've then got the Japan premier league. So the five biggest regions, each have a reason regional representative team, and they will play in a three day tournament called the Japan premier league. Um, and. That's kind of the highest standard of, of cricket in Japan. And I guess that's what one of the things that we try and promote and market uh, as, as the best level of cricket that we have domestically. Uh the 40 over is T20 isn't that T20, yeah. Okay. So so to give you an idea, last year and that's called that competition's called the Japan Cup, which is the, the regional competition. That had about 60 teams in it last year, I think, maybe just shy of that. Um and that's up from about 17. 16 in 2014 when i got here so like that's like the thing four times yeah
2: four yeah days. it's a big yeah. growth
0: in a, in a short amount of time okay. the japan cricket league is the uh, the 40 over competition that runs through the season uh when i got here i'm gonna say there was about um i'm gonna say there was about 16 or 17 of those teams playing across two divisions and uh, now we've got three divisions and there are as of last season, 27 teams that'll probably go up to possibly around 30 this year. Um, that's what, that's what you... But that's, com- yeah, that's the competition yeah. where we really try and build clubs. So even though you've got three leagues, you might have a club with a first level, yeah. third level playing in each of the divisions. Yeah. Um, whereas in the Japan Cup, basically anyone can form a team. You could move to Japan and call us up at the start of the season say, me and 10 mates want to play in the Japan Cup, and we'd assign you to the relevant competition depending on where you're based. Um, but the Japan uh, cricket league—you've got to be a proper club with a structure. You've got to have, you know, a constitution, a bank account, uh, a committee. Um, you've got to have a junior team. You're looking to create a women's team. so yeah, there's there's a few um, a few clubs that are are really growing quite significantly and are well set up now that they'll they'll survive anything. Really, those clubs—they're they're very much um, built into the landscape there.
2: So do they have like tiers in terms of like men's, women's and kids under, under 16 or something? Yeah. Or? So, so they have means- like a, they had a parent club for all those. So.
0: Yeah. So I'm going back to the challenges when I first arrived. One of the big challenges was there was nothing really from under, between under twelves and senior cricket. Yeah. So a kid would finish playing under 12 level with a rubber ball yeah. and would then at age 13, be playing against mm-hmm. men with a hard ball. Yeah. Um. So that was a bit of a jump. So now we have an under fifteen and an under under nineteen league, um, and that that pathway was set up properly in 2016. It took a bit of time to, to build it, but um, that's been really really productive for us. So yeah, you'll have clubs which will have a first, second, third eleven playing in the JCL. Then they'll have a Japan Cup team. Then they'll have uh, an under nineteen, under 15s, and, and hopefully an under twelve team playing in the Cricket Blast competition and then ideally they'll have a women's team too um there's one club in japan that ticked all of those boxes last year um and hopefully there'll be there'll be a few more to come so yeah it's really promising and and hopefully that can continue and and set an example for um other clubs to follow because you know if you have the right structures in the past you'd have a club that might have been built off one person's passion if that person goes back to their home country the whole club's apart so that that's not sustainable, so yeah. So, uh, how did you and the
1: whole of, uh, say, maybe Japan uh, cricket setup manage to get going in these you know crazy times that we live in from the last couple of years uh, or so?
0: Yeah, it's been hard. I mean, honestly, last year was actually harder than 2020, because in 2020, no one really knew what was happening, and everything was off. And then we restarted. So for us, our cricket season, our cricket season normally runs from the very start of April through to the very end of October. Uh, whereas in 2020, we didn't get started until July. Um, so we had a reduced season and we played our final, I think on the last weekend of November, it's pretty cold, it gets dark pretty early. Um, but then last year was really stop start because the government kept changing their rules and certain. Areas where you might have grounds would say, oh, you can't use this ground and you can't use this ground. And uh, all of a sudden people are going to travel four hours to the nearest cricket ground. And and, it became very difficult. Um, and you know, we had the Olympics last year in Japan as well. So that, 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 the government were very kind of cautious around that. And the Japanese government is cautious about most things. So yeah, that has been really tough and yeah, like our numbers have gone down. Definitely. We've struggled and suffered along with with everyone else. Women's cricket has been hit quite hard. And actually the area that I'm most worried about is possibly university cricket, because that traditionally yeah. has been a good place for people to learn and to find the sport. Um, but students haven't been able to play any sport. Their university has said, like, there's no sports clubs running. Um, so we've missed getting the new intake for two years now. We've got it's the third year coming up now and just got to hope that people are going to be able to recruit new players because otherwise you're going to have three years university in Japan's four years, but you know, if this continues a sport like cricket that re- relies on sort of a, a year on year being handed over. It's not, it's not well known in Japan yet. So yeah. if there's not people to hand it over, it will just stop. Yeah. Um, and that could be, I could really cut off a pipeline for us, particularly for the females, because, you know, the boys, um, are, are still coming through, but the girls, you know, if, if you find a, if you're picking up a bat for the first time aged 18, your chances of you developing to a high level player is, it's quite slim, but for girls it's, it's really not, you could develop quite fast. Um, so, um, you know, that's been, um, a worry definitely, but look, we're quite lucky. We've got this quick ground on our doorstep. Um, and we have been able to hold on most of our competitions. The most frustrating thing has been, we were due to host international competitions in 2020 and 2021, and we lost out on those. Um, the the most significant one being the under 19 world cup qualifier with that not being held that cost us a place or, or an opportunity in the world cup having having gone to the last one so that was that was a pretty difficult one to take yeah So, uh,
1: you know, I was basically about to ask you about uh, the landscape of women's cricket only, but you really answered that. So, uh, you know, my, I think one final question to you is that, uh, you know, what's that one piece of advice that you would uh, give to the younger uh, Japan players who are making their way into cricket?
2: Probably even others as well, right? Like, I mean, yeah, it's because I think many of our viewers as well in terms of the following is probably for people from emerging cricketing countries, right? So, like, in general, like, I think you would probably know a bit more uh, detailed uh, knowledge about the Japanese community and that bit. But in general, though, like, if you were talking to a youngster, like, what would you tell them? How would you rope them into uh, love the game of cricket?
0: Honestly, for me, it's just to stick with it. Um, Because there's so many obstacles to sport. There's so many distractions. There's so many reasons not to do things. Um, you know, whether it's playing on your phone, your iPad or whatever the latest console is living an active outdoor lifestyle is, is important for so many reasons, but look for me, ultimately cricket has given me the best life experiences I've had, the best friendships I've made. Um, you know, and I think cricket is unique in sports in that you have that time off the field where you really get to know people i mean the amount of times that you're just sat on the boundary edge um waiting to bat or after you've got out and you really get to know people uh, you might travel away with them you might go on tours um and you really most of the sports don't don't have that um yeah and and that's what really makes cricket i think special uh is the the human connections that you can make and the learnings you can make from other people and uh i think that's really special in terms of um building sort of camaraderie team spirit and yeah, just broadening your horizons as a person. And my, my favorite thing, you talk about more specifically emerging nations. Yeah. One of the things that we've been really proud of is how cricket has helped Japanese people who are, are naturally kind of introverted and Japan is kind of an introvert society. You know, it didn't even open up to the rest of the world until uh, the the late 1800s having been completely shut off. From, people coming into the borders for 200 years. So, you know, that, that sort of mentality still exists. And so now when you have, I've had guys in the Japanese cricket community who have said that before they started playing cricket, they were actually afraid of foreigners, people that they might see guys, guys like you or me, yeah, walking down the street. Uh, they would, they would cross the road because they were a little bit scared of them, but having played cricket with and against them. Yeah they've they've learned that that's really not an issue um and that's it's it's an education thing you know it's broadening people's horizons and um yeah that's been that's been really great and i hope we can continue to do that
2: Uh, i completely agree with the fact that the multicultural aspect of it is pretty important as well because like just playing a team sport in general gives that kind of camaraderie and you know just just knowing the person right next to you and it's just Open so much so many doors. Like you see it in soccer, you see it in cricket, you, you any team sport, basketball, anything that you take, and that's kind of the gist of sports, right? Like just that whole uh togetherness of a team of it. Uh, I think this probably has been one of my favorite episodes so far in terms of like how much we have same, learned about same uh cricket and especially uh from a nation which is not like renowned for cricket, but the growth which you scope about, like even in terms of the numbers, like 5,000 registered uh, players, it's it's pretty big, like 60 teams participating in any tournament is still pretty big considering uh, we at least need 11 players per team plus a couple of backups in case someone gets a call up or uh, has some work or anything on that. Sort. So that's like, that's really, really pretty cool. And I really wish you as uh. A lot of uh, luck, and I want you guys to be a part of uh, the upcoming years, and just like in terms of watching you guys uh, perform at the highest level. Because as much as we love our India's and Australia's and England's and South Africa's, it's it, cricket is about growing that sport in every possible And It's 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 a growing sport, and uh, I really wish that, uh, and I'm pretty sure, Alan, you will you you'll get them right. You'll get them there. Will, will, will. Yeah, well, I, I
0: have to, the same advice that that uh, I, I said just then of sticking with it kind of applies to me as well. You know, you gotta yeah. gotta keep on going, you keep believing. When you're a sports administrator, you need yeah. to um believe in what you're doing and, and love what you're doing, and hopefully, yes. are lucky that I do. So um, you know, we'll we'll keep on on plugging away, and hopefully, like you say, you'll you'll be seeing more more Japanese players in professional leagues, and hopefully, Japan playing in World Cups again in the future. That's, that's the hope,
2: and we are completely uh, behind you and uh, cricket in Japan as well. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks for uh, talking to us, Alan, and sharing the wonderful insights about uh, your own personal journey as well as uh, cricket in Japan. And uh, for all your viewers who are watching, please uh, like, share, subscribe, and uh, just just follow all the emerging nations are including japan and in this case even uh read allen's book uh it's in the plug at the start of the episode don't miss it and i'm, I'm pretty sure i'm going to do it so uh,
0: Good man. <laughs> i'll also mention that yeah the best yeah. places to learn about japan cricket are the Japan cricket website which is just cricket.or.jp yeah. Uh, yeah. we've got an instagram page uh, japan cricket yeah. um uh, twitter and facebook that we're really active on all of those platforms so lots of information there and um as of last season I actually started the, the Japan Cricket podcast as well. So you can go and have a listen to that things. That's perfect. That's nice. All yeah,
2: right. On that beautiful note, uh we'll sign off. Uh, this is me and Akhil Siddharth and that uh, was Alan. Uh, we wish we'll bring to bring you all uh, more of such brilliant episodes. Till the next time. Good day, goodbye, and have a good night.
1: Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Okay, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening. And if you did, then please be sure to rate and review the show, wherever you get your podcasts, it will just help others to discover the wonderful world of Japan cricket. I will be back soon, end of this month, most likely. And in the meantime, stay safe. Enjoy where you are. And no tsukareisama deshita.